Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Do you want to become insanely successful? Do you want to be the go-to guru in your industry? Do you want to be talked about for all the right reasons? For over 40 years, Kevin Harrington has helped people just like you become significant influencers. Now he's broken the process down in the key person of influence roadmap, and it's yours for free. Just text KPI to him at 727-888-2100. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free step-by-step guide. Text KPI to 727-888-2100 to get the recognition you deserve and experience the success as the go-to voice everyone listens to in your industry today. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined by Nigel Eccles, co-founder of HubDub, FanDuel, and whatever's coming next. Nigel, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on. It's a, obviously, it's an honor to have you here. Now, obviously, you pivoted when you yes. went from HubDub in the political arena to mm-hmm. FanDuel, that was a huge shift. We're recording this in the height of the corona crisis where lots of business owners are forced to pivot, where they're yeah. forced to close or change their business model. How did you decide to pivot from politics to sports? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. So just to be clear, we did this in sort of 2008. HubDub was a political prediction market and FanDuel obviously is a daily fantasy sports product. So they're actually very, they sound very, very different. Um, it was actually... Um, well, so I think the first thing I would say about pivoting uh, is that it's a very painful process. <laughs> it's not like in retrospect, it looks, you know, oh, yeah, he was doing this one thing and then he decided to go and do this other thing. And it's never really works like that. It's you have something that is completely failing, right? Like the, people who have like a successful product don't pivot. Like pivot is not a feature development or product development. It's basically <laughs> saying what we're doing today is not working at all. No one wants to use our product. We can't even pay people to use our product. Like that's, a, that's, and that's more common than you would expect. So that's kind of, with HubDub, we had this product and it, it was kind of working. The problem was that it just, not enough people were using it and there was no way for us to turn, turn it into a paid product. And so in it, you could predict the outcome of like elections. And in 2008, it was really good. We were showing growth, but then that election happened. And then it was going to be another four years until the next one. And so we sort of said, okay, not many people are using it. Not enough people are using it. It's not growing. We don't really have content every day. Um, But we did have part of the product, which was sports. We hadn't really focused on it. And it was doing a lot better, even though we weren't focusing on it. And so we said, okay, people are loving making predictions about sports. How do we... And we know as a team, we're pretty good at building these prediction products. What is sports that is a prediction product that we could turn into a business? And that was really a process. And that process started in January 2000 and, uh, 2009. And uh, we had our first product that we launched around April, um, like a first sort of beta version. Um, and that's quite a fraud process. But we sort of at the start of that process said, okay, 
where we're doing today is not going to get us where we need to be. We have to go and do something different. <laughs> Understandable. So now, obviously, FanDuel's in the midst of a pivot. You've got sports seasons, the entire rest of which have been canceled. Yes. Does that affect the fantasy market? Yeah. So FanDuel, then we launched in 2009, uh, grew it very rapidly, uh, 2015, 16, 17. I actually left the company in 2017, but I'm very familiar with, um, you know, obviously ran it up until then and then very familiar with the businesses you're in now. So we actually, with the birth of sports betting in 2017, basically ran it and are running a process of migration of people from daily fantasy sports to sports betting. And that's a very simple reason is the sports betting users are much more valuable, maybe 10 times more valuable than daily fantasy sports customers. Then after that, um, we run into this next problem, which is we don't have any live sports. Um, and so uh, that basically kicked in almost two weeks ago. Um, as a business, there's a number of things. Like, that, that's a kind of, you know, for any business, like to say, okay, you really can't. Like, and, you know, you go on ESPN. It's not like there's, you know, less sports or there's really no sports. And people want to people bet on sports that they're interested in. Um, and so... Uh, for FanDuel, like part of it is going to be preparing for when sports come back. We know that's going to come back. The other thing that they do have in certain states is a, a, a casino and online casino. And they definitely, you know, there's a process of cross-sell to people who would be sports betting into online casino. Um, but, you know, 70, 80% of the business is still sports. And to some extent, you just have to weather that. There's pivoting makes sense whenever you're talking you know, you have to change long-term when you right. get this. For, hopefully short-term and obviously you had a billion dollar market valuation. Correct. Correct. So it was so, working really well. Yeah. Like sports betting in the U S last year was a $500 million business this year. If it wasn't for the situation would be in over a billion dollar market. So we still want to invest in that. Um, but in the short term, sure. You're trying to find other products that you can cross sell into. Absolutely. Which brings up the next question. Um, what about the esports market? Because obviously mm -hmm. that has nothing to do. That is not regulatable in terms of, yeah. hey, there's a virus. You can't play on your computer. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, so I, I, we left, uh, my co-founder and I left FanDuel in 2017, and we launched at Flick. Um, we focused a lot on esports. Um, actually, uh, and we learned a lot from esports in terms of uh, the engagement that they drive and one of the things is if you've experienced Twitch during an esports tournament, it's so engaging, exciting, it's fun. You can chat, you can be part of the experience. And we sort of said, why can't I do that for real live sports? Let's say real sports, I'll piss off the esports <laughs> community. You've offended a million people, that's okay. But, but, but uh, yeah, traditional sports, right? Traditional, um, great way to put it. And, uh, and that's what Flick is. Flick is a live chat platform for and actually we focus much more than we have some esports. We actually focus much more on traditional sports because they don't have that platform. And so that's what we are seeing on Flick is that people are using it as a way to chat um, during sports games, which is most exciting, but also between sports games. So actually last week, even though there was no sports on because of free agency, suddenly a lot of our groups really bubbled up because Everyone wanted to talk about Brady and Brady going, uh, leaving yeah. the Patriots. And so that's when the product's really working. And so what Flick is doing is taking what works really well in esports and bringing it actually back to traditional sports. 
Okay, so talk a little bit about how does the, uh, how did you come up with that business model mm -hmm. and pre-corona, how is that <laughs> working? Yeah, so honestly, it started when we, um, when we left Fandel, we were kind of interested in two things. Um, one was uh, community, like how do, we, how do we build these online communities? And two, we were really interested in what they were doing in esports. We sort of felt that esports was really ahead of what was happening in traditional sports um, in terms of building community and terms of online tools. And we were just like, why, you know, why can't an NBA game be more like, uh, more like Twitch, right? Like with this engagement, and we just didn't see it was happening in traditional sports. And so we basically then dived into sort of building those tools and spending a lot of time in esports. And we learned a lot there and we were like, okay, let's take this, let's take this back to traditional sports. So that was kind of the thesis. Um, you know, interestingly, what we're seeing today on Flick is product works really well with, with live sports. That's gone away. But what we're now seeing is a lot of those groups then are sort of pivoting to other content. Like what are the things they can create and share within their community that doesn't require live sports? Sure. And then what's the business model behind Slick? How is that getting monetized? Yeah. So uh, right today, and it's very early in this monetization story, but really what we're trying to do is create a way for these creators, sports influencers to monetize. And so we have a, a sort of tipping and subscription model, which is they create these communities, they create all these live events around it. And then the uh, members of the community can tip the host and we take a commission for facilitating that. Okay, that model so. has been really proven in, in esports and Twitch is a very proven subscription and, and tipping model. Again, we want to take that back to traditional sports. All right. So over the years through all of your iterations, you've gone through some tremendous ups and downs. Yeah. You've gone through legislative risk. You've gone yeah, through competition yeah. risk. You've gone through a whole lot of that. How do you yeah. weather those storms? How do you get through those challenges and those adversities? And, and what do you tell business owners who are dealing with their own version of that literally right now? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that over the, you know, and then none of this is ever easy. There's kind of hard earned. Um, I think the first thing that's important to say to yourself is like, you chose to do this, right? <laughs> you we know, might be kicking ourselves. You don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, you may be, but like you chose, right? I had, I had a number of like large corporate jobs and they were okay. You know, they were fine. I didn't, I didn't, uh, my last one, I really hit it, but there was some <laughs> of the other ones that were, were good, you know, and I was well paid and, and I was bored out of my mind, you know, like, and so I, I sort of like, anytime it's really hard, I'm always like, yeah, but I chose to do this. And then I also kind of like, you know, I know what I really love. I love the excitement. I love the flexibility. I love being my own boss. Um, and so, and those are not things I would give up easily. I could always go back to that other job and that idea. I haven't experienced being an entrepreneur kind of fills me full of dread. <laughs> and so that's a motivator. Um, I think that's the first one. I think the second one is um, like the companies are successful. The ones that the entrepreneurs are successful, they just persist, right? Like it's important you make good decisions and you hire good people and you do all that good stuff. But persistence in, in my sort of experience as an entrepreneur, which I guess I'm coming up to uh, 12, 13 years is, um, is the, there's so many companies that I've known where the, they've just stuck at it and they've, you know, they've cut their burn way down. They've, they've persisted. And there's, there's one company that I know and they did that, they, you know, they, they scraped through and they never even really got their product to work, 
but they still managed to sell for like tens of millions of dollars <laughs> because be nice. you know the market changed and suddenly what they had was interesting to an acquirer and they did really well and the, you know the founders did really well the product never really worked <laughs> and so you know to me that's you know like and you know when it's the hardest i've always said to people i said look you know, being success, a lot of us just sticking at it. Um, and then the third one that I've always kind of counsel myself is when it's really bad, it's not as bad as you think, right? But also contrary-wise, when, when you think it's really good, it's not up there either. Like the reality is kind of somewhere in the middle. Whereas I think a lot of people's mind and mine goes up like this. Like, you know, you go from one day thinking, somebody said entrepreneurship's going from you know, elation to despair without anything changing. <laughs> and it's so true. Like, you know, I can look at our numbers and I can go, wow, you know, if we continue this like growth rate, we're going to be like a you know, billion users within 12 months. And then like the next day is dying. And you're like, if this continues for three months, we're going to have no users and we're going to be a zero. Um, so, you know, I think a large part of just managing your psychology and realizing that like, it's not, this don't let it control you that you have to kind of control your response to it. That's great advice. You've worked with some amazing people over the decades. What's the best advice you've ever gotten? You know, it's interesting. Um, in 2015 and 16, when, when Fangio was going through a, an absolute existential crisis, I remember, um, I remember uh, being advised by um, quite a prominent entrepreneur, Wes Eden. So he owns the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Um, he was an investor in us. He put written a large check, and I went to have dinner with him. And I I felt terrible because I thought there was a chance we were going to go bust, and he was going to lose a lot of money. And and I remember him saying to me, he said, "Look, he said you're going to turn this around." And I, like at the time, I wasn't sure. And he said, and "Even if you don't, he said your next business is going to be successful." Like. You know, and like you don't, you know, and, and I remember thinking, wow, this guy would lose a lot of money if this business went under. But he was like saying to me, no, I, I have confidence that you'll turn it around. And if you don't, you know, you're still valuable as a person. You're going to you're going to do something. And, and the second thing he told me was in terms of my staff, he said, he said, if you catch the cold, they'll get the flu. And he said, your leadership in terms of giving everyone confidence, you're going to get through it. Um, he said, that is the most important thing that you're, you're in every day. Unfortunately, you're not in, you know, you're, you know, you're in, right. in coronavirus, we're not doing that, but being seen to be leading and being involved and not, and not checking out and not, uh, you know, and not showing yourself being unduly worried, that's going to be really important for your team. And it's your team's going to be the one that'll carry you through. All right. That is great advice for our folks who are listening and watching who want to learn more. Where is the best place for them to go? Should, uh, to learn more about you and about Flick. Um, yeah, so uh, so for me, I'm uh, on Twitter. I'm Nigel Eccles. Um, for Flick, we're on the App Store. If you search for Flick Chat, um, very heavily skewed towards sports. And we have a lot of sports communities there, but really anyone could create a community on there. Um, we've had a lot of like, we've got communities across podcasting, across horror. Um, you know, there's actually been a few sort of coronavirus ones have popped up because it's a great way for a larger group of people to get together and chat. Um, so, you know, you can download the app and, and you can immediately create a group. All right. Thank you so much. This has been Seth Green from Sharkpreneur with Nigel Eccles of Flick Chat and FanDuel. Nigel, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? 
Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>